Okay, everyone, welcome to Rapid Review. So today we're going to talk about episode six of Ahsoka titled Far, Far Away. How does the show follow up to the best episode of the season? Well, it's a little frustrating and you can listen to find out why. So the episode opens with Ahsoka and Hu Yang inside the mouth of a space whale traveling to a new galaxy, which I, I did like how the kind of hyperspace, the galaxy spanning hyperspace uh, differed from what we're used to. It was kind of cool and, and looked different, similar enough or familiar enough uh, for us to know what it is, but different enough to, to let us know that it was something unique and not not what they're used to. Uh they're discussing Sabine and her choice, and Ahsoka reveals that she did not share all of the information with Hera. She didn't share that Sabine went willingly. I understood the point of the conversation, although for me it was a bit of a contrast from the end of the last episode, which seemed so hopeful. And we saw that, I think, with Ahsoka, you have an actress in Rosario Dawson who is is phenomenal and can do, you know, to do whatever she wants. And she was kind of muted for the first four episodes. And I felt like one of the interesting things about episode five was that after her clash with Anakin, we saw her almost come out of her shell. We saw her personality come or, or show through. And she, she was, she seemed happy. She seemed hopeful and excited almost. And right away, the very next episode, she's kind of somber and she's down. And it's not that it's misplaced, but I didn't love it to come so soon after what we got, you know, and I get why she's contemplating it and that there is an issue, but I just feel like we, we got this version of Ahsoka that I think we were missing for most of the season. And then to revert back to kind of somber, uh, stoic Ahsoka so quickly, and even one that's a little bit upset, it, it, it struck me as, as not the, the progress that I feel the character was supposed to make. And then also, that was all the Ahsoka we got, which, uh, you know, it's not a huge complaint, even though it is Ahsoka. You know, I get that you're going to have episodes that are focused on other characters. And this is really Rebels, you know, season four more than it is Ahsoka. So it's fine, I guess. But like a lot, I think some of the choices and pacing don't quite work. And I'll get a little bit more to that as I get, you know, deeper into this episode. So I, I did like the little like in a you know a long time ago in a galaxy far far away reference that was kind of it was cool and meta and you know it was like maybe a little too cute you know for its own good but but it worked in in that spot and I liked it so you know that was all we got of Ahsoka and then the rest of the episode is on the planet Peredia Sabine Balin and Shin and Morgan arriving um, to this planet it's a, you know they give some backstory uh, which I always like uh, it was a little expeditiony but whatever you know it is what it is uh, but they arrive they meet uh, three night sisters and they're they're getting ready for the arrival of Thrawn. And the Night Sisters are immediately struck and upset by the fact that Sabine is there. You know, they sense they, they, they sense a Jedi. Now, the issue for me here, uh, there are several issues uh, with this. One is that uh, so far Sabine has not been shown to be force sensitive, and in fact, Hu Yang, you know, mentions her as being you know almost one of the least or the least force sensitive you know Padawan ever. So they have that one problem. And two is there there is a former Jedi master or there's a former Jedi as well as his apprentice. And they're both clearly very force sensitive and they didn't seem to react to them at all. And I get that they aren't Jedi at this point, but neither is Sabine. So how they could be so reactive to Sabine, but not to two people who were clearly force sensitive, one of whom was in the Jedi order, struck me as a little strange, but you know, is what it is. 
So very quickly, we, we are introduced to Thrawn. And it, it worked in some ways, and it didn't work in others for me. I think, as I've said before, Thrawn, if you've read the books, um, whether it be the early Timothy Zahn books, the Heir to the Empire books, or the more recent uh, series, he is an incredible character, um, a master tactician and somebody who really should be a threat. You know, he's somebody who doesn't have force powers, but he is able to outsmart and outwit pretty much everybody. And he's always 10 steps ahead uh, in every situation. And so I feel like the show has not done a good enough job of presenting that. You know, we know that they're afraid of his return, but we don't know why. And so when he does arrive, it, it it's cool. It works. You have this kind of ragtag group of stormtroopers who are all kind of chanting his name. Um, he has the, the uh, his own, you know, gold faced uh, Enoch who who also kind of looks weird, looks kind of like, looks kind of cool, almost kind of gave me some Game of Thrones vibes um, with the gold mask. But um, and he shows up and, and he, he has a commanding presence. Um, I think it's Lars Mikkelsen, you know, has a commanding presence and and. Uh, does a great job as Thrawn. He also th- voices Thrawn in the audiobooks and voices Thrawn in the uh, animated series. So the arrival was cool, but it still felt a bit underwhelming to me, just kind of knowing what he's about. And I think a lot of that just has to do with us not knowing what he's capable of. And what scares me a little bit is I don't know that there's enough time to build him as a threat. We've got two episodes left. So if the rest of the show is kind of Sabine and Ahsoka versus Thrawn, that's not to me enough time to build him as the kind of threat he is unless he wins in the end. And then this moves forward into season two or, or whatever else is going to happen. So I'm a little skeptical about how they're going to do this. And so I think that's the issue for me really with Thrawn is just I, I feel like we should have been introduced to him in episode two. And he should have run roughshod over everyone. And we should have known like how bad he is. And yeah, like, OK, he had some cool kind of in, he had some cool lines and he has this kind of quiet intensity and he is intimidating uh, the way he looks at people and the way he stands over people but there wasn't much of a hint of of the character he is and of the real threat that he represents so he does let Sabine loose on this weird horse monster thing and uh, allows her to go to find Ezra it is then revealed that he's really doing it so that Balin can track her down and kill both her and Ezra. Um, so again, okay, it's it's kind of Thrawn being a tactician, but pretty straightforward and basic. I think anybody could have come up with that. But um, she goes on her journey. Uh, she encounters uh, some rebels and is able to take them down. Then she finds this weird, like, kind of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle-looking thing called, I think, a Noti. Um, and they were cute. And um, I also liked her interaction with the horse wolf thing because, you know, initially it runs away when she gets attacked, and then it comes back, and it's kind of like a little puppy dog that won't leave her. And, I, you know, I like that. It, it was cute, and it's fun, and it's one of those kind of more, you know, slower, softer, more heartwarming parts of, of the show and of Star Wars. And I, I like those things. It can be a little too cutesy sometimes, but it still works for me, and I like that. And then their encounter with the the Noti was, was, you know, it's a cute, weird design character that does kind of resemble a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. And they recognize the rebel symbol, and uh, eventually she's taken to Ezra. 
And, you know, if I'm honest, that again, much like Thrawn, the Ezra meeting was a little bit underwhelming. It's tough because either you're a big fan of the show and you're kind of anticipating it or you were not a big fan of these shows, uh, Rebels. And so it's like, OK, who's this guy, Ezra? You know, I, you know, I'm here. Why am I? Why do I care about him? And I, again, I don't know the show has done a great job of that. But, you know, the meeting, I think in some ways it works. I think they did. It kind of they, they gave them some time. They had a nice little banter. You could tell that they cared for each other. It was a warm scene. But it still just felt a little underwhelming for me, and I'm, I'm not sure why. I don't know if it's maybe the pacing or how it was set up um, or just how easy she found him. Like, he was just kind of there hanging out. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it wasn't, a, it, it wasn't a bad scene by any means. But, you know, we have two scenes in this episode that were built up the entire show, right? Uh, Sabine and Ezra finally meeting each other and the reveal of Thrawn. And each one just didn't quite hit the way I think it should have. Uh, not bad, but just wasn't great. So the episode ends with the notification that uh, to Thrawn that Ahsoka is on her way. And uh, he immediately says he wants, you know, he wants backstory, he wants history, he wants everything on Ahsoka, which is part of the character of Thrawn. So if you, if you had followed um, this character through the various books, that's kind of something he does, is he really dives deep into you know not just people, but their culture, but their art, their history, and is able to use that to, to figure out how to fight against them. And that bothered me for a couple of reasons. So like I mentioned, I was a little scared that they're going to just kind of gloss over the threat that he is. And that line to me felt like it glossing over. It's like instead of us watching him be this menace and and be this kind of almost like a Moriarty like character, he just in a couple of in in a line we're like, "Oh, well, that's what he does." So then we don't have to actually watch him do it. Um because we would have needed several episodes to watch him do it and we don't have several episodes to watch him do it. So I think that's a situation that did kind of bug me that I'm a little scared that, oh, if they're just throwing that line out, maybe they're not. The other thing is Thrawn has encountered Ahsoka. Thrawn would know everything about her backstory. He would know who she is, where she's from, what, uh, you know, what her, what you know, her culture, he would know all that stuff. He wouldn't need to ask for it. Or, or if he was asking, it was like, I need a refresher. It's not like he'd need somebody to go out and, and, and search for it. So it felt a little weird to me that, okay, he knew who Balin was. Um, but you know, and, and he, again, he's encountered Ahsoka. He would have had this information. So I don't know that you know, again, for me, it felt like a throwaway line so that we know, oh, this is what Thrawn does instead of actually watching it. So it was a, sh- a situation of like kind of, um, you know, telling us and not showing us. And and that partially is due to the fact that we only get three episodes of Thrawn. And I'm assuming that episode 10 or sorry, episode eight is going to be a big battle. And so we're not going to get this master tactician. So I look, I could be wrong. I hope I am wrong. I think there are moments in the show that have really been well written and 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 well set up, but then there are other parts that I just don't feel quite fit. So just overall as a show, I think this episode bugged me a little bit. I think the pacing was not great. Again, it kind of meandered along much like a lot of this series. And I think, you know, so much of this series could have been cut and mixed around and I think again what happened in this episode could have happened in episode two or three. Or maybe we meet Thrawn in episode two and then we find Ezra in episode six or whatever it is. I feel like the show built to this episode, but it didn't pay off in the way that it should have with all that build. And I think it would have been better served to do a lot of this stuff 
earlier and then give us more of, of them fighting against Thrawn and give us more of, of again, the threat that Thrawn really is. You know, so it, it, my critique on this, um, I, it's not a bad show and it wasn't a terrible episode. I just don't think that it built off of episode five and for a show that I felt pre-episode five was kind of meandering when it finally got to that moment that episode that was really fantastic i was like really hopeful that okay we're, we're kicking in in the high gear we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna get going with this and so to have another episode that kind of slows things down it, this based on the story they're trying to tell it wasn't necessarily wrong but i think again it's a larger issue in that the story should have been told in a different sequence in a different way uh I'm obviously going to still watch it. Uh, I'm going to watch episode seven and eight, just like I've watched every other episode, either the night it comes out or, or first thing the next morning. Uh, but, you know, just not quite what it needs to be for me. Uh, so not a bad episode, not a great episode, but overall I am going to give it a seven. Thanks for listening. If you haven't already, please like and subscribe to the channel. And while you're at it, leave a review. We can be found on all social media platforms at portable underscore whole. We can be found on all podcast platforms at Portable Hole Publishing. We can be found on the web at portableholepublishing.com. And you can email us at portableholepub at gmail.com. <laughs>